0: The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com and Thank you. Well, it's good to be back. If, you did, if nobody noticed, I was gone last Sunday. I hope you noticed a little bit uh, on, on my uh, trip with my family and uh, had a birthday while I was gone. Thank you all for the birthday wishes and I got a compliment this morning. One of the young guys come up and said, uh, you were gone on your birthday. I said, yep. And I said, how old do you think I am? He said, 41. I said, well, you got it right on the money. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I'm 54. I'm, I'm just proud to be here, so I don't mind. Yeah, I'm getting... I say one more year, I'm bulletproof. See, at, at where I work uh, at 55, you, if you goof up, they make you retire. They can't fire you. So uh, I got one more year, and I'll be bulletproof. And uh, so I'm going to keep it straight for the, uh, the rest of the year. This is audience participation time, okay? So uh, I'm going to give you a word, and you can say it out loud. Even though we're in a Baptist church, you can say it out loud. What comes to your mind... If it's clean, now keep it clean. Uh, so uh, if, if I say this word, you just blurt out what comes to your mind. Stop. Go. Who said go? Come in there, brother. That's me. I'm on the go side. Who all said sign? Who didn't say anything? <laughs> okay, let's try this. red. Boy, there's all kinds of... Y'all are some mixed up people. <coughs> Black. Okay. Loud. God. Well, I want to ask you now, uh, when I said the word God a while ago, y'all give me some responses that you had. Uh, I heard wow. What? What's some more? Love, good, near, peace i can 't hear y 'all i 'm fifty four y'all come on, Jesus, you know nobody said friend, did they? Turn over to Genesis chapter eighteen, and this morning we 're going to talk about privileges of friendship with God, and i 'll be honest i 'm the same way when i when I hear the word god i don 't think about friend. I may think about Jesus, I may think about salvation, I may think about church, I may think about creation, I may think about a number of things, but really when, when we hear the word God, how often do we say, well, a friend? And, and to say that Abraham was God's friend meant that he was a human being whom the God of the universe felt close to and regarded him highly. So we're looking at Abraham this morning, and God wanted to share some of his intimate thoughts with Abraham, because God considered him a friend, that the fact that God was Abraham's friend, we can find that pretty easy to understand, can't we? We can think, well, God's, God's our friend too but I want you to think about it from a different angle, to think about the fact that Abraham was God's friend. That's sometimes almost incomprehensible to us, to to say, okay, God's my friend, but to in turn think about, i 'm god 's friend also and and that 's a two way street friendship with God produces some privileges uh, in the life of the believer and we see those exemplified in the life of abraham and and that 's what I want us to look at this morning we see a, a a few different privileges as we get to all of them the first is going to be companionship with God then we have communication with God and then we have the compassion of God and because Abraham was a friend of God and God was a friend of abraham 's there were some some benefits in that and the first thing was compassion or companionship with God so if you're in Genesis chapter 18 we're going to start in verse 1 and the Bible says the Lord appeared to him by the terabith trees of Mamre and he was sitting there in the, the tent door in the heat of the day this is Abraham he's sitting there in the, the, the door of his tent in the hot part of the day and he lifted his eyes and he looked and behold there were three men standing by him and when he saw them he ran from the door of the tent to meet them he bowed himself down to the ground and he said my lord If I have found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under this tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. And after that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. And they said, Do it as you say. Go ahead and do it, is what they said. So uh, we read here, and and we're clearly told... uh, Uh, who appears to Abraham here. We're we're told in verse 1, it says, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth tree of Mamre. It's God himself that appears to Abraham. And and here Abraham is, and in this passage over and over we read, The Lord said, and the Lord said in in verse 22, we read, The men turned away from there and and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood still there before the Lord. In chapter 19, we're told that those other two men there with the Lord were Abraham angels and and that's chapter 19 verse 1 so i believe this is the pre-incarnate appearance of the lord himself to abraham and and abraham's having a conversation with the lord himself and i still find it amazing that the god of the universe desires our company he desires that companionship to man. Well, this morning you may say, well, you know, God has never appeared to me or God has never maybe spoken to me. Well, that's not true. I want you to understand something and we can't spend a lot of time here, but, but until Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and rose back to heaven, we didn't have the Holy Spirit. The, the, the people in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit of God so when God spoke to them he spoke to them through an angel or he appeared himself but today God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit of God if you're a born again Christian you've accepted Christ as your personal savior the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit of God lives resides within us and when we have those times that that we feel moved to do something that's God speaking to us he still desires companionship with us he he still desires companionship with men and and the Bible even teaches that that we still come touch contact with God and God's people. You remember where the scripture says uh, be aware some have entertained angels without knowing and that's God saying he, he's He's appeared to, to folks in certain ways and certain things. He also tells us in scripture that, that what we do for the least of his children we've done for him. So we today have opportunities to realize that God is, is still in contact with us. It's not something we can look in Abraham and say well that's great that happened way back yonder with Abraham but what about today the spirit of God still moves us the spirit of God still directs us God still speaks to us he speaks to us through his word if we're never in his word if we're never reading his word we're not going to know what God has to say to us but when we have opportunities and we feel the spirit of God and we may not even know it's the spirit of God but we feel something moving us and drawing us the Bible says that's God himself drawing us into himself so we see here that Abraham Abraham talks to God. Verse 6 says, Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah his wife and said quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal knead it into into, and make cakes. Verse 7, and Abraham ran to the herd. He took a good tender calf out, gave it to a young man and hastened him to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Well what's happening here is Abraham, he, he doesn't recognize that God is who he is at first, at least at the first part of this, Abraham reacts as any mid eastern good host would act during those times. Now, he couldn't run to the refrigerator and get out some milk and butter and meat and and thaw out here. So he went and got a calf. He had the calf prepared, butchered, and and he had Sarah making some bread there. and And these men were resting under the tree. So he was simply just being a a good host. But what this was was it, it was a it was a test of Abraham's heart. And, and I want us to think about, God appears in such a commonplace way to Abraham. In other words, he appeared to Abraham in an everyday situation. Abraham is simply there. He's out in the desert. He's under a shade tree. He has his tent set up there and he looks and there's three men that come in from the desert and, and simply Abraham looked at them and says, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a good host to these people. But but what's really happened here is 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 God is testing him and he doesn't even realize it at the time and and that's often the case with tests you know they don't they don't come when we're warned and when we're ready you know tests just kind of to, to pop up if we know a test is coming if we're told we're going to be tested and maybe we hear we're going to be tested about controlling our temper when we get irritated we are to all be able to pass that you know when I was in school if if the teacher said hey we're going to have a test Monday, I knew I could prepare if I wanted to, or I could call in sick and say I missed, I missed that test Monday. But here's what I hated... You come in, you know, the, the teacher says, uh, okay, over the re- weekend, I want you to read chapters 1 through 3,000. And then we're going to talk about it Monday, you know. It, it might as well have been that many for me. And, and so you come in, you, you, you know, I don't know if I might have scanned over a little bit or uh, or might have forgot to. But, but anyway, you sit down, and the teacher says, put your books under your desk. We're going to have a What? We're gonna have a pop quiz. Don't you hate those? I mean, you can't you can't not show up for them. You you are supposed to read three thousand chapters over the weekend, and you didn't do it. And and there's a bunch of questions on there, and you're like, I, boy, I don't have a clue. And and at that point, you know, you just got to kind of do the best you can. If you're sitting by somebody smart, you know, you might kind of <laughs> glance over and let the Lord give you those answers as as He will. But but. But pop quizzes, I mean they catch us off guard sometimes. And and that's what we see here. We see Abraham and, and it's a pop quiz all of a sudden. He's out in the desert. It's just a regular day. It's a it's something that's that's just happening, he goes through every day, and, and something kind of catches him off guard. And God is testing him that way and and uh and so he moves on and, and this test reveals what Abraham Heart really is. That's what God is testing. He's testing his heart, and, and Abraham doesn't respond for himself. Remember, Abraham don't realize it's a pop quiz yet. He doesn't realize that it's God himself there. He simply responds out of a heart that's been... Change. See, he's not, he's not striving for recognition. Uh, he's not striving to impress somebody. He's not, he's not setting out to get a, a a good reputation. He's not setting out to show look how spiritual I am. Just all of a sudden, something pops up before him, and being a good host and being a, a person that has a changed heart for God, he responds and he treats them like royalty. These three strangers that just show up, and and if he had known who they were, he couldn't have treated them any better. I mean, he treated them just as as he should. His prompt, generous response is is the results of a of a heart that had been changed. God had touched his heart, and and God had changed his heart, and he he responded to to humans' needs without simply uh, needing some self something to come back to him he simply looked and he simply realized hey I, I see somebody that has needs and because they have needs I'm going to respond so with that, that friendship with God all of a sudden we see that that uh, he has companionship God visits him and God begins to work through him and God tests his heart and, and he simply said I'm going to put some, need, some people that have a need in front of you and I'm going to see how you respond to that need and then from that, Abraham, he passed with flying colors. And and God said, okay, here's another benefit. Not only do you have my companionship, because we're friends. Me and God, we, we've got a good thing going here. We're, we're, we're best friends together. And, and you may say, well, that kind of sounds sacrilegious. Well, it kind of sounds biblical if you think about it. Because God says in the New Testament, I don't call those folks slaves any longer I call them friends because a friend knows about his master's business see Jesus is talking to his followers and he said at one time you were a stranger you were an alien but, but now you're my friend and I call you my friend and we're friends with God so here's a second uh, benefit we have a communication from God if you look in chapter 18 down at verse 9 God began to communicate with Abraham and with Sarah. And to Sarah, he says in verse 19, then he said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of your life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening behind the tent door. And what'd she do? I ain't gonna have no kid. I'm an old woman. I had a birthday last week. I'm not fixing to have a child. So Sarah laughed. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing in verse 12. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself. After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, in being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? I bet she thought, "Uh uh-oh, he heard that. I thought that was laughter inside. Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Surely I will bear a child since I am old. Listen to this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a great question for us today. We're going to get to that in just a moment. At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. For she was afraid, and she said no, and he said no, you did laugh. So we see this going on. The Lord reassures Sarah that, that she's going to bear a son. You know, this promise came a long time ago to Abraham. And Abraham's left his country. He's traveled to a new country. He He's grown old. His wife has grown old. And they still don't have that promised son, that son that God said, I'm going to make a covenant. You're going to be a great nation. And your your descendants are going to number the, the, the stars in the skies. That still hasn't happened. And there, there are a couple of old folks sitting here. And, and the Lord reassures that, Sarah, you're still going to bear a son son. Even though her response was laughter, humanly speaking, uh, childbearing for Sarah was out of the question. Did you hear that? Humanly speaking, it was out of the question. Yet, the Bible records in Hebrews eleven eleven by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because, listen to this, Sarah, she judged him God to be faithful with his promise. You see what's happening here? How could this be? Perhaps after the guests left and Sarah was sitting there, she began to think about what they had said to her. And she began to mull those things over, the things that she had heard. And maybe she came back to that that exact question that he asked, is anything impossible with God? And as Sarah began to think about that thing, according to Hebrews... By faith she received and she conceived seed because she judged him faithful who had made the promise. I want to ask you, when you have a communication with God, do you judge God faithful to keep his promise? Or do you think and look at yourself and say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not sure we can do these things. If you come to that point of saying, I'm not sure, God, I can do what you want me to do, we need to come back to what Sarah did and and, and ask ourselves, is anything too hard for God? And I want to ask you that. Is anything too hard for God? If you're listening, say, I am. I am. Listen, the only reason... For such unbelief, I want you to hear this, is a failure to comprehend the extent of God's ability to work through us. Now those are a bunch of words, so I want you to hear them again. Again, the only reason for our unbelief is a failure on our part to comprehend the extent that God's ability is to work through us. See, it's not about us. It's about what God is going to do. It's about something. Is it too hard for God? Is it too big for God? Remember, humanly, it was impossible. But was anything too big for God? And, and Sarah thought about those things, and Sarah did because she judged him faithful who had made the promise. Does it seem hard to you, for you to be what God wants you to be? I want you just to think about that. I, want, I don't want you to answer it, but, but does some of the tasks you're facing seem like they're impossible? Are some of the circumstances you're dealing with, they're insurmountable? You, you think, humanly, I can't do this. It's, it's more than I can handle. Well, the reason it's hard for us is so often we try in our own power. And we need to realize that if God has called us to do something, he's going to equip us, he's going to give us the the tools we need, and we simply need to judge him faithful. We simply need to say, okay, God, you've called me, you've placed me here, and I judge you faithful. I believe that you're going to carry through with your promises that you have for me. Nothing is too big that God can't handle. So here's a word for Abraham, verse 16 through 21. Then uh, the men arose from there, and they looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on their way, in verse 17. <clears throat> and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing here? Now, remember what we're talking about. We're talking about communications from God. When we have a a privilege of having a friendship with God, we have communication from God. And God says, "...should I hide from Abraham what I'm really doing here? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him." Now verse 19, For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteous and justice before the Lord and may bring Abraham what he has spoken to him. Verse 20. And the Lord said, Because an outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down there now to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that he has come to me, and if not I'll know. So what what basically happens here is is the scripture says Abraham began to go with these men. Now that that went more than hospitality. At this point, Abraham realizes that he's in God's presence. How does he know that? Because he just talked to Sarah about a promised child. He just heard the, the God say, All right, Sarah, you laughed about it. And Sarah said, I did not laugh. And he said, Oh, yes, you did. I know you laughed. And so at this point, Abraham's kind of comprehending this is God. So he goes with him a little while, and God says, you know what, I might as well tell Abraham what's going on. I may tell him why I'm here. And, and if you know the story about Sodom and Gomorrah, you know that, that God goes down and he sees their, their their wickedness and their evilness, and it's great. And he says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So, so God begins to tell that. He begins to tell Abraham what's going on. And, and because Abraham had been given by grace, favored in my sight, I will not hold from him what my will is this is this is amazing to me that god of the universe decides to confide in men i want you to think about that i, I want you to take yourself uh, and put it in the place of abraham because i think sometimes when we look at god's word and we begin to read scripture we begin to think about god and abraham we begin to think about their conversation we begin to think about what what's happening over there but but we need to realize that that same god lives within us and that same God wants to confide in us as a friend you know men desire friendship men and women desire friendship and and it's not hard to understand but but men need friends to become uh to help them when things become more than they can handle we want a friend we want somebody that we can turn to God's never in that position God's never in that position where it's more than he can handle. Men need friends when we need advice. The Bible says God's all-knowing. He doesn't need advice. And, and why, why does God desire a friend? And, and the answer is because God is love. And God desires our love. So as God being love and he's desiring our love, he wants to become a friend with us. He wants to become a a companion of us. He wants to share his plans and his goals. And he wants us to share our plans and our goal. and, And he wants to have that communication with us. And folks, when we miss out on that, we're missing out on that Christian walk. When we simply want to show up and we want to hear what the preacher has to say or we want to hear some good music or, or we want to say, well, I'm going to set God on this shelf over here and God, when I need you with a problem, I'll come get you. God wants to have that relationship that that he goes with us day after day and, and he walks with us and he talks with us and he shares his vision with us and we share our desires with him and it becomes a friendship. That's a privilege that we have with God. Just as Abraham have. we have God's people, we're God's people and, and we've been given a favored position with god and and we become friends with god here's my last thing i got 10 minutes we have companionship that's a privilege of friendship with god we have communication that's a privilege of communication or friendship with god and here's the last thing compassion for people you know when we 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 talked about god is love and what does god have He has compassion for people. You know, you will never look at a person and lock eyes with someone that God doesn't love, that God didn't die for, that God didn't give his all to. And God has compassion for people. And when we become friends with God, and when we realize that relationship we have with God, and when we have that companionship with God, and we have that communication with God, all of a sudden we begin to have that compassion for people. Look at verse 22. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. He recognized who God was. And Abraham came near and said, Why would you also destroy the righteous along with the wicked? Now he's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, Why would you destroy all of that place? There's good people there. There's righteous people there. Now get this picture. Abraham is talking with God. God said, here's my plan, Abraham. And they begin to have this conversation back and forth. I think sometimes we respond to God as, as he's a judge and he's going to call down something on us and we're just going to say, that's the way it is. But not Abraham. He, he said, suppose there's 50 righteous people within the city. Would you still destroy that place and not spare it for 50 righteous if they were there? Verse 24, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked. This is still Abraham talking. So that the righteous would be as the wicked, far be it from you, so you not judge all the earth and do what's right. So the Lord said in verse 26, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the city for their sake. Then Abraham answered and said, indeed now, I, who am but dust and ashes, have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Abraham said, I'm, you know, here I am, and I'm I'm talking to the God. I'm talking to the Lord. Verse 28, suppose there were five less than the 50 righteous. Would you destroy all the city for the lack of five? He said, if I find there 45, I'll not destroy it. And verse 29, and yet he spoke again to him, suppose there are 40 found there. I will not do it for the sake of 40. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry. I will still speak. Suppose there are just 30. Sounds like an auctioneer, don't he? I mean, he started up here at 55. He's got down to 30. Lord, okay, what if there's just 30 there? Don't get angry with me, Lord. We're having this conversation, and I still wonder. So he goes on down and gets on down to verse 33. So I'll not destroy it even for the sake of 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry, I'll speak once more. Suppose there are ten found there. And he said, I'll not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went away, or went his way, and as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. You know, the highest point of Abraham's life in this story we read, the highest point is not the hospitality, that sounded great. It sounded great for him to go and meet these men and see that he had a changed part. The highest part we see is his intercession for men. His intercession to spare Sodom. See, to us, Sodom is just a no place. It's just a little dusty town out in the desert somewhere. And it doesn't mean anything to us. But to Abraham, it meant living people. It means friends of his. It means folks that, that he had seen, that he had talked to, that he had visited with, that he had been around. And, and to Abraham, he didn't see a, a dusty city in the middle of a desert. He saw people. And see, when we have that friendship with God, we don't look across our county or our country or our nation and just see a, a big old nation that's, that's in all kinds of turmoil. We see people because that's what God says. And and that was a remarkable example of intercession. That's the first time in the Bible we read where a person began to intercede, and that intercede simply means praying for someone else. That's the first time in Scripture we see that, that someone began to intercede for a group of people you know over the past month or a little over a month we've been talking about uh america being a great nation and we are a great nation but we have our problems and and we've talked about what can we do as christians and this is a great example we see somebody that that intercedes now i want you to hear this if you're listening say i am through prayer god gives us the joy of partnership with him and his kingdom isn't that great I mean, through prayer, God gives us a, a partnership with him. We're, we're partnering up with God in, in the work of his kingdom. That's what prayer does. And we see in the life of Abraham, Abraham becomes a partner with God as they think about restoring Sodom and Gomorrah, and they think about sparing Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, most of the time, fathers, they have the ability to, to complete a task without help, don't they? If you're a father, now the lady says no. But uh, but if you're a father and you've had a child, you've probably been here in some form or fashion, and you're you have a task, and and your daughter wants to help you, so you're working on your car, and you give her the flashlight, and and you want her her to, I won't call no names. You want her to shine her flashlight. In the dark on this spot, and the light's there, and then the light's gone, and it's up in the trees looking at the cat. And and you look, Daddy, look at this over here. Baby, I need the light down here where I can see what I'm doing. So the light comes back for all of the 30 seconds, and then and look out there, look over there in the field, and and uh, I, baby, I need the light right here where I'm working. And and uh, 10 seconds later, it's yeah. Uh, you see my mouth? <laughs> see what happens in that that place? We're just like that. God wants to use us. He can complete the task. He's the God of all the universe, but he wants to include us. All Sometimes we get distracted and we shine the light up in the tree or, or we shine the light over here, but, but God says, wait a minute, I want to bring you back, and, and I, want you, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing because when we become a part, we enjoy partnership, don't we? That's why you love to help your parents. When you're a child, you you come in and, and what is what is the what does the little girl do? I help daddy fix the truck. Well she did one because we partnered up. We we worked together on that project and and when we begin to have the compassion for people that God has, we begin to partner in his relationship. And as we partner in his relationship we begin to pray for others and you know what when we begin to pray for others we take on the character of God think about that we we literally take on the character of God we're we're never as much like God as when we're praying and that's what we see Abraham Abraham was never more like God than when he prayed for Sodom he took on the, the character of God. He, he began to intercede for a, for a group of people, and, and Abraham pleaded well, and he pleaded in God's honor, and, and he interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and God vindicated his name, but God does not always vindicate his name in, in the way that, that Abraham expected it or the way that we'd like him to. You know, this world, it owes a lot to the presence of Christ, and it may not even know it. I was thinking about this, and this is where I want to close this morning. Think about the people that's received blessings, utterly undeserved because of what God has done. I, I thought of three people. We're not going to look them all up, but but if you know over in Genesis chapter 30, there was a man named Laban, and uh, Jacob worked for him. Jacob was was Israel. And if you remember that, in the Bible, Laban's flocks were increased. Why? Simply because Laban was there. And, and I mean simply because Jacob was there. And, and Jacob was using, God was using Jacob. And, and Laban, he 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 got the results. He got the benefits from that. Or, or maybe you remember uh, Potiphar. You remember Potiphar and Joseph? Joseph simply went to Potiphar's house and worked in the household. But because Joseph was faithful to god potiphar uh, he he exploded he he had he had wealth and riches and and grains and fields and flocks why because there was a benefit because of because of joseph you remember paul paul was on a ship and he was headed to rome and the ship started to be tossed and the road getting rough and all of that you know gilligan's island song there and and uh and what happened? All the people were panicking, and 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 Paul said, don't abandon ship, because God's going to save all of you. And see, everybody on that ship benefited during the storm because of Paul's relationship with God. You see, that, that relationship, Abraham was called upon to, to stand in the gap between Sodom and Gomorrah. He interceded. He pleaded with God as his life depended on it. I think we need to we need to come back and think about that urgency that Abraham possessed. Well, I want to ask you to think about this, when's the last time you had that kind of urgency when you prayed for your family? Or that kind of urgency when you prayed for your community, or that kind of urgency when you prayed for our nation? When's the last time that you interceded and pleaded that God would spare someone? Because when we have that friendship relationship with God, we have that opportunity of communicating with God, having his presence there, and then we have an opportunity to see others through the eyes of God. I want to ask if you'd bow your heads with me this morning. We're going to have a quick prayer and and a time of invitation here. But you know, in the the hours that we live, if we as Christians—I'm just talking about we as Christians—if we would plead with God as Abraham pleaded with God, I think we would be amazed at what God could do in our community and beyond our community, in our state and beyond our state, in our country. Because listen, remember, God's benefits goes to all. The Bible says He makes the sunshine on the righteous and the unrighteous. But the righteous, we need to have that relationship with God in the right order. We need to realize that that today we have a friend in him. God's friends with us. We're friends with God. He he wants us to communicate with him. We have his companionship every day. If you're a born-again Christian, you'll not leave his presence ever again for all eternity. See, the Bible says he's faithful and just. He He's not going to leave us, abandon us, forsake us. Now, we may step away from him, and we might not have his power, but but he's there. He's that father that, that looks at for that prodigal son that, that has his arms stretched out and says, come on home. But, I mean, I'm glad you're back. I've been waiting on you right here. When we have that type of companionship and we have that type of conversations— Then we begin to share that compassion, and that compassion equals our love for others. Father, this morning I pray that as we think about that relationship and we think about the privileges we have in our friendship with you, Father, I pray that we would be a a person of compassion, a a person of, of communication with you, and Father, we would know that we have that companionship. And I pray that we would live our lives in such a way. Father, I pray this morning as we just have, a, have an opportunity to reflect on who we are and what we are in you. I pray, Father, that we would have that right relation. I pray, Lord, if there would be none here today, any here today, that's, that's never accepted you as their personal Savior. Father, today, for whatever reason, this may be the day that you call them unto yourself, the God of the universe, speak into our heart to call us to you. Lord, I pray today that we would respond to your willing, respond to your calling, and we would only trust you with our lives. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Would you stand?